Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad. Doing good. I'm glad to hear it. Everybody, we want to say thank you for being with us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of here at the beginning. Uh, the first one will go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four, capital C and corner, capital P and podcast. Save 10% off your order. They have the uh, benefit shirts for uh, New Jack's family where he just passed away and Shad Gaspard as a trust for his son. Um, I Look, we, we go every, I don't know, every other month or so we go on about how great, comfortable, and good their shirts are. It's... Uh, I'm wearing one. I'm wearing the first one that I bought right now, and it's it it's still holding up great. It's not falling apart. It's not forming the little the the fuzz beads on it or anything. They're just super quality shirts. I have a lot of them, Chad. I have a lot of cool collar elbow shirts. I have so many that I haven't even worn all of them yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have like a few that, I, that they're kind of like still uh they're still ready. They're like fresh out of the package, ready to be worn. Oh yeah. <laughs> But I've been wearing like a bunch of the other ones. Yeah, um, I have way too many wrestling themed T-shirts, and <laughs> you know what? I do too. I, yeah. I can't. I can't argue. I do too. But um, it, it's they're just they're such good shirts, and they come up with fun, clever designs. <laughs> they're such good shirts. They're good shirts. Oh, <laughs> we should pitch that to them. Anyway, um, that's our first shout out. Our second shout out. We pass the ball to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Colon. Um, or, you know, Orlando Colon, as far as I know, is not a uh, – he doesn't have any musical albums out there, but I'm sure. <laughs> uh, if he was, he'd be he'd be number one of the charts. He sang oh. backup vocals on. On Randy Savage's rap album? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did not expect that. That is that is applicable to this era. Yeah, you know what it is. So because that was everybody... um, I well we're gonna so we're going to be doing music from 1996 to 2005 today, but this actually falls into the actually the height of Home Star Runner. Where did either of you guys? Yeah. I had shirts. I had. Well, I still have my Trogdar hoodie, and I had a cheat shirt. I didn't have any shirts, but I uh, was definitely a fan of their site. Okay. I watched a lot back in the day, but uh, it's been so many years since I actually saw any of that stuff. I they put my, stuff on YouTube now. 
I think my favorite, because um, the, the big one was the, sh- the strong bad emails. I think he still does some of them. Yeah. Time. My favorite was it's... Trevor the Vampire, where he like emails him, and it just cuts off, and he's like, well, what? And he's like, oh my god, they got him. And he's like, <laughs> remembering his times with um, Trevor the Vampire, and it's just a flashback of him reading the email. <laughs> I don't under these guys found a way to take what should be honestly kind of a dumb premise and just make it work and make it work really well. And it's the only thing it's really what that stupid tag team wrestling game for NES, which is just wretched is known for is because it provided um, the basis for strong bad because a tag team and that were the strong bads. Oh, were they really? Yeah, he's based on that. Oh, I guess I never realized that. Wow. Man, it's hard to believe that's that site hasn't been relevant for almost probably 16 years now. Well, like I said, they put stuff on YouTube and they had uh, they actually had a couple of games made. Yeah, and there uh, were some DVD releases because um, his the strong bad emails got DVD releases. Yeah. So, like Brad said, we're going to be covering um, music in the era of 95 to uh, 96 to 2005. And kind of hitting on, I guess we're going to hit on some stuff that was uh, that was big in that time period, um, and and maybe the the genres that were kind of arcing in this time as well. So um, it feels I guess... like, in hindsight, this feels like the last era where before music got super. Um, how shall we say um, produced? From uh, for every facet of it, uh, like before they they came up with the algorithm of how to make a hit song kind of stuff. Yeah, and have a hit star that has to check off like this, like set boxes to be in this genre. Or before, like you get to the rock genre where like new bands stop getting any sort of airplay whatsoever, and it's just bands that are all a decade old doing the same shit. Yeah, it, it's kind of – I don't know how to best describe it, but it, it feels like this was kind of like the last period where things could happen like organically. And where, because, where sweeping mm-hmm. changes of like sound could happen suddenly. Yeah, because I agree with you. Like a lot of stuff in at least I can think probably the last like 10 years seems very like – like studio driven. I mean, there are changes in sound that occur, but it seems it seems very like like market focused. Like it, it it's weird. It's almost like so there might be a style of music that's that kind of is becoming like somewhat popular with people, and then it, it's it's like the studio is basically latch onto it and it's like okay let's have every song sound like that for the next like six to twelve months yeah and then it moves on to something else like Mm -hmm. when those retro phases catch on or um when auto-tune was like the thing for like three years like every song was Mm auto-tuned i hate auto-tune depend what do you what would you define in terms of recent music or how what what examples would you provide for retro because I would say an artist like The Weeknd, this is getting past like 2000, like mid 2000s where we're kind of cutting it off. But The Weeknd, his last, definitely this, his most current album and the album right before that definitely have retro 
it's like a retro vibe to it. Like his current, his most current album is pain. It's almost painfully like a, a callback to like the 1980s. But I don't say that disparagingly. He's it's actually a very good album. He's a very talented musician, and I actually think that the retro like callback stuff to the 1980s works really well. I mean, he's he's almost like at, at times he's almost ripping off like Michael Jackson. But if you're gonna rip off someone, like Michael Jackson's a good one to do because Michael Jackson's one of the best musical artists of the last like 50 years, easy. Um, it's a band I enjoy a lot. Um, and I actually played this one for my wife, and I said, "Guess which year this is?" And she knew I was trying to trick her, mm-hmm. but she swore it. So it's Dance Macabre by Ghost. And I said, "Okay, what year do you think this is?" And she's like, "I know you're tricking me, and this is a new song, but like, if you listen to that like in a vacuum, you'd swear to God it's from like 1984." Just even like the way the guy like enunciates his words and stuff like that. Um, it's very 80s. Even like some of the ways they record it and some of like the scratch their like music had to it. Like it just, they really like went all out on it. I would say, um, "Shut Up and Dance with Me" was very i don't know if that was 80s but that was it had a very it was a, 80, 80s it was 90s. a callback um because the uh the the band has said that it's supposed to be like reminiscent of like the the big power ballad stuff like jesse's girl um there's a music critic that uh, like he said it reminds him more of the hooters which as an aside joke he says which that band got re- their initial name got rejected of Tiggle Biddies, but um, they were. He said that that it feels more like whatever the Hooters' one big hit was, but it it it's building on that kind of concept, but not being that the guy that seems to have made a career over doing like the retro sound is since Bruno Mars got popular as opposed to doing like the whiny heartbroken love song thing. I don't like um, rumors at all. Well, okay. Uptown Funk and 24 Karat Magic and there's been another single he's had that I can't remember what it is. Um these were all like uh 24 Karat Magic was like Morris Day in the time. Like he's he's very intentionally covering sounds from a, a previous era. And it's it's not he's he does that better than he does trying to create his own wholly original stuff. Finesse, uh, which is he did um, he did that with Cardi B. That's okay, I, a really okay. good one. That's what I like is another one. I agree with you. Like that's it's like a it's like a hip hop soul, new jack swing like funk like modern day funk type of thing, yeah. which does have like a callback. Um, but I would agree. I actually, I I go back and forth. Like I didn't like a lot of like older Bruno Mars stuff, but I actually like I actually like the Twenty Four Karat Magic. Like when he hit, when he got when he did that, I felt like he actually hit a stride. Yeah. Like he, it's almost like he decided, okay, this is like the sound I want to do. And is that when he probably stopped listening to like what the record industry people were telling him to do? Probably he had enough credibility to like actually because um that's mm-hmm. well, when he dropped Uptown Funk, that was the biggest thing on the radio for like that entire year. And now all of a sudden it's not like someone can get in his ear and says, well, Bruno, you don't know what's big. We do. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. 
who wrote Uptown Funk? Not you. And and then he's just like, no, I'm I'm gonna do something like that because I I don't either it was popular or I enjoyed doing it or you know whatever. So you'll get a lot of these, and I know I, I I think Matt and I have talked about this in the past, but you'll get a lot of these like rock bands that have like an album or two that are really great and like it's got a really good like hard edge sound to it. And then they soften up, and I swear to God, it's always some record executive telling them, like, hey, you know, you get so many more fans if you just, like, popped up your sound a bit. And then they, like, do this ill-conceived album where they try and soft... Like, Linkin Park fell into this really bad, like, when and they fell off because of it, where they tried to, like, pop their sound up, and they did not have the talent for it or the it sound largely, for it. Yeah, it largely never works. I mentioned I mentioned The weekend. Um, his his last two albums are more mainstream and more arguably pop, which is if you listen to actually his earlier stuff, because I actually um, I, I listened to like most of his discography when he was doing his earlier stuff. Um, let me actually look and see. Well, Beauty Behind the Madness, but he also did a, a trilogy as one I'm looking at. It was a compilation album. Uh, it's it's much different. It's it's far less mainstream. It's much 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 darker. It's uh it's kind of into the genre of like all, what they call alternative R and B, where it, there's it's hard to describe it. It's kind of like R and B, but it's it has it has definite influences from like rock music. So it's not it's not just like traditional R and B. Um, it's a lot more it's darker it has a lot more like melody to it um that stuff was like i thought that stuff was like absolutely fantastic uh, but he he then kind of mainstreamed his sound um but i actually feel like that it worked like he's definitely has far more airplay he's become a much bigger artist like he he I mean he did the the halftime show for the super bowl so he's definitely like you know made it but uh, it's. I agree with you. It's kind of rare. Like the, I think he's a really talented musician. He he kind of figured a way around it. But usually when you try to mainstream your sound, it doesn't. It's not as good. It's it sounds inauthentic. It sounds very watered down. It doesn't seem like real. I think that's where Creed like really became a meme too. Mm. Because like their first their first album is not like what you necessarily heard on the radio. And mm-hmm. They had some stuff with some edge to it at first, and then they did like the the my sacrifice and um, with arms wide open and stuff, which was like felt like those plays for, and that was Scott Stapp kind of turning into like this um, over dramatic douche too. Yeah, I want to. I kind of want to talk about that genre of like rock music because we were having a we were having a whole conversation about yeah. that. And I also this era is also I think where we can. We can definitive, definitively say like Metallica lost their way. Yes, although I'm a, I still like I still like a lot, a lot of Metallica stuff. I will say even I the, will say I, even I'll the modern them, day stuff. I will give mm-hmm. them credit. Death Mag Death Magnet was is a is a shockingly underrated album, and I think if another band had done that album and not had the Metallica name on it, people would hail it as like a good metal album. Yeah, I think I think people thought that they were just they wrote them off after like Saint Anger. I think so, Reload is where people kind of started to write them off, even though there was a couple of good stuff on there. That's kind of I think their first 
Felt like their first yeah. kind of whiff. Yeah, I would agree. I actually thought I actually like Saint Anger the song. I thought they modernized their sound pretty good for that. I don't know why people hate that so much. I actually there's like two or three songs on Reload that I actually like. I like um the Memory Remains. That's probably I think their last like amazing. I like that. Hit. I like Fuel and I like I like probably Unforgiven too. Even though, like, not this is not to say like this is like I'm putting it up there with their best work. But I actually kind of like those three songs. No, because they're, I mean, I will, I will say their 80s stuff is just impeccably. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Hands just, down. Yeah, it's just awesome. Like, well, I, people... even, even as overplayed mm-hmm. as it is, like, well, you know, a lot of their 80s stuff doesn't get radio play. It's like their 90s stuff that gets just killed on the radio. Yeah. People, uh, people shit talk like Load. I actually like Load a lot. And that has, is that have Whiskey in the Jar? Because I like that song a lot. Uh, I don't think so. No, it must be earlier. That um, is a just an odd. Uh, I, they do a good job with it, but if you're used to the traditional version, it's just odd. It's a very British kind of folky song, and they went wild with it. But even like if you go back to the 80s, like Hetfield's voice is very different. Um, I still do giggle at the the Napster bad flash animation from back <laughs> in the day. From Newgrounds, I think. Yeah, it was like Hetfield set himself on fire for you. Fire bad. Yeah. See, what I'm trying to do is run down. I was gonna pull a uh, a list of the songs for each year. But the problem I'm running into is that the I don't know that the lists I'm getting are actually accurate because I, I was looking at what was on it. And I'm like, is this right? And then I went back to 1992. I'm like, top, you know, top 100 songs, 1992. And uh, here, here's what I was why I was looking is because Garth Brooks in. 92, his Rope in the Wind album knocked off Nevermind by Nirvana from the top slot. But he's nowhere on the list. And I'm conf- I'm confused by Billboard's hey, listing if it, if it's here. Some, if it's some, like, blender asshole writing it, you know they excluded, like, anything country, because they... Well, this is this is just that. the... This is the Billboard Top 100. Oh. For those. That gets so weird. Um, yeah... Yeah. So then I actually think so this is so this era is actually the rise of new metal. Um uh, Well, before we hit new metal, I want to I want to throw something odd in there in that it seemed like we got a lot of w- just odd things hitting the hitting the charts in the mid late 90s from the adult alternative section. Well, because like, cuz that was really cuz so I think why that was is um you really kind of had the the hard rock scene really did spawn like an alt scene to it so like you kind of in this era you had the smashing pumpkins still because they were alt like i don't care what anyone says smashing pumpkins are adult alternative but they were still relevant in this era um yeah so i i would say this is probably the strongest the 90s are probably the strongest era for adult alternative, and it's never quite hit those highs again. Uh, yeah, that's the era where we got the like the rise of Train 
Oh, uh, yeah, uh. I know, right? That was uh, Meet Virginia was somewhere in there. Um, I don't mind that song, but they've never like, done. Yeah, they, they, their output's not been good since then. Now, um, there are some fun songs when we get a little further into this that are off the beaten path that I enjoy a lot. I, I do have one that's it's an oddball 1997 pick. Okay, and here, and I'm gonna say this. And when I say the name, you're probably going to be like, uh, are you sure? But I looked it up to make sure that I wasn't off base. And I think it was because this was on a, a soundtrack or something. Um, but it was a Lorena McKennett song called Mummer's Dance. And let me look it up. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. Uh, what was that? It was on a soundtrack, and I'm trying to figure out what it was. Uh, Book of Secret. It was it, it was originally a Celtic song, and then it got um, it got a beat dropped on but behind it to make it a little more dancey. Like um, you remember the remix of um, Tom's Diner. No. You, you know what song? Do, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... By Luke, the Suzanne Vega song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the original one was just completely acapella. It's just her like going through the whole thing. But then the one that had like the dance beat drop behind it like shot up the charts. The same thing happened with Mummer's Dance. Um, and, uh, number eighteen on the Billboard Hot 100 in '97. But I'm looking at the '97 list. And it is instead that's listed as barely breathing by Duncan Sheik. So I don't know what's up with the billboard lists. Um, and it, this isn't supposed to be just like pop music, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of. So, but it, there was a lot of stuff like that that came up and, you know, heck, I still like Matchbox 20. And that they came up in that time period. Um, that's I don't know for some reason Rob Thomas's vocals in my head just equate to being on the radio. So that. they're they're an interesting one because I feel like their first album was great and then Mad Season was really good too. It's pretty it's a pretty good follow up and then I felt like they kind of dropped off the face of the planet and then they put out a couple more like CDs but. After that, like after Mad Season, the second album, like I don't, I can't name a single song they did. I can't name a song that they did, but I can name a song wrong. Yeah, Rob Thomas did. I mean, Rob Thomas is. Well, it's it's the song of the summer, twenty two years and running. It's smooth by Santana. (laughs) You know what? That I will. This is like a sidebar, like Supernatural by Santana. What a big, like the biggest fucking cop out because. He just played like fucking guitar on that album, and it was just all these other like you know artists who were big That's at the time. That's all Santana ever did, though. Even going yeah, back to that... the seventies. Well, I mean, he's had he had some legit hits back in the day, like, but Supernatural was like it was just like the the he t- he, t- he cherry picked like the the hot artists of that year that moment, and just had them do like songs for the album. And I think the al- the album one, I think like like a Grammy for best album of the year, something like yeah. that. It was like a huge album. I mean, you that still sounds smart air- to me. 
well, it's smart, but I feel like, like to me, it's like bullshit. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's he did still a, song a great with, album. Yeah, he did a song with Everlast. He did a song with, I think, like Michelle Branch, uh, obviously with Rob Thomas, like that. And he, I mean, they still play like these songs on on the radio. You still hear them. You're so, right, Chad. It's like the song of the summer. Like, yeah, 22 years. It's running. the best summer song I've heard in more than 20 years, and I don't. I will fight over this. The other here's I'm, I'm looking at 97 right now. The adult alternative being so big in there. Number two on the top 100 hit for that year was "You Were Meant for Me" by Jewel. Which was beat by Candle wow. in the Wind by Elton John, which got the nostalgia bump. What, what I think happened news. to Matchbox 20, Matt, is um, I think mm-hmm. Maroon 5 got really big, <laughs> and Maroon 5 just kind of buried them in the earth. Maroon and... 5 is a really weird one to me, because Maroon 5, if you actually think about it, has been around for like, like 15, 20 fucking years. I think they go back to like 97. And it's like they they had a couple hit songs – um but you've heard more than you think you've heard like they have you've probably heard legitimate like double digit songs of theirs that you like but they well no that's that's the thing like they they had like back in the day like i'm and i'm back in the day i mean like over 10 years ago they had like at least a couple like kind of you know big notable like pop songs i consider them more like a pop band than a rock band but but in the last like 10 years i would say they've had nothing but fucking like hits like it 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 in any given year, they will have like at least one song that's like a big song. They're like the because to- I think they're now like the token <clears throat> standard band setup that they actually let on the radio anymore. Yeah, but I won't. I as I've as I have expressed before in the show, I am shamelessly like a, a a pop song fan. Like I unironically love a lot of pop songs, so I actually don't mind Maroon Five. There's actually a lot no, of songs of theirs that I actually enjoy. Especially for a pop band, they're they're a little they they're a little rockier than your standard pop band setup, and they're willing to be a little different. Like they don't sound like everything else, so they're usually a welcome addition when they get their mm-hmm. their hit. I, there was a point somewhere along the line, it seems like, that Maroon 5 went from being Maroon 5, the band, to Adam Levine and his accompanists. It's kind of like that, right? And here's the other thing is, like, there's some Maroon 5 stuff that's that – it's fine. You know, it's not my jam, but it's fine. I can listen to it and I can go, you know what? I myself don't care for it, but, you know, it's probably fine. But for God's sake – um, what animals that song they put out i don't know 10 years ago or something like that is hilarious in just how pathetic it sounds to me because there is no way i believe adam levine is like being this this nighttime predator type thing it's like and he (laughs) howls in the middle of the song and it's he does like i remember the first time i heard that on the radio and i I, I stayed on it because i was like what in the hell and he did that in the middle of it and I remember driving down the road and making a slow wanking motion with one hand because I'm like, oh, my God, I like kill that me now. So I like can, that song, can we I like maps also? Uh, um, the most recent one was like from last year called Nobody's Love, which is actually a pretty good like love song. And I watched the video for that. And it's like during COVID time. And it's I think I think I've shared this with you guys before. It's like it's just him. It's like a camera just focused on him. And he's like singing this like love song. He's like sitting around like a uh, like I not a campfire, but it's like a it's like a fire pit, and it's like really dramatic. And then at, at some point he just like lights up a joint and he's smoking like pot, 
and the end there's like a graphic that comes on where it's like like we should decriminalize pot and i'm like oh my fucking god it's a love song to pot if you and it like it all it kind of ruined the song for me because i'm like this is a pretty it's good like, love hey, song you're talking about how you can't live without someone but then you you see him like do that and they see you see the graphic at the end i'm like oh my fucking god it's a love song to pot and like i'm not disparaging that i'm not disparaging if you like it's hilarious graphic. that's that's okay it's, but it's like dude wow. you're gonna write a love song to pot like fucking hell so just for just for the sake of argument to to point out just how weird the the top 100 was for just 97 because I've got it pulled up in front of me. I already said number two was Foolish Games by Jewel. Some other ones that were up there: Unbreak My Heart, Tony Braxton, Can't Hold Me Down, Puff Daddy, I Believe I Can Fly, R. Kelly, That Aged Well, Return of the wow. Mac, Mark Morrison, How Do I Live, Leanne Rhymes, Wanna Be Spice Girls, Quit Playing Games with My Heart, Backstreet Boys. Bitch by Meredith they, Brooks. I just heard Semi-chunk. they're doing um there's gonna Third be a Spice line. World two coming out soon. Uh, oh. Are you serious? I heard they're they've got them all like on board to do it. I don't know when it's coming out, but they're just talking about it on um Sirius over the weekend. Spice World and I know this because I uh not to be like that guy where it's like I have a lot of fill in the blank minority uh friends mm-hmm. <laughs> to say like I'm I'm cool with the with the community, but I do. I growing up, living in DC, I've uh, DC has a very vibrant um, gay scene, LGBTQ scene, and I have a lot of friends in that community. And that Spice World has oddly become like a really big like gay icon type of thing. That was hmm. kind of was that kind of their jump the shark moment because they were huge for what about three years. <laughs> I loved the description I heard a comedian give. The Spice Girls album is the number one selling album in the United States, and I can find no one who will admit to having bought it. it sold they were like, absolutely gigantic. It sold it something like – it sold like – they just talked about this on the radio. It sold like 30 million copies, and I think the follow-up album sold 20 million copies. So, Because I only think they did the two albums, and they've sold like I think almost 55 million albums. Did they do more in the UK before it came over the pond? No, I think they were like a, a flash in the pan act. Okay, it's it's funny, just I, the mix of top one hundred stuff that you have through all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, is, the next year. This is what just, this is what radio was like before we got like the homogenized, yeah. like oh hey look oh, it's it, the top one hundred. Here's your three Taylor Swift songs. Here's your Katy Perry song. Here's your Kesha song. And here's yeah. your litany of rap songs from the same artist you've heard for like the last 15 years. So that's a good point. It was like back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was practically schizophrenic because it could be like, here's your uh, number one song this week, Jewel. And then the next week it'd be like, here's uh, here's, the, here's, Jay-Z here's the freshman the fucking, by the like, rap song. Yeah, here's like, Jessica Simpson. Other... Yeah. Okay, 98. I'm just I'm not even going to say titles. I'm just going to do some artists mm-hmm. for the top 100. Brandy and Monica, Shania Twain, Savage Garden, Liam Rhymes, Casey and JoJo, Usher, Third Eye Blind, Destiny's Child, Will Smith, Mariah Carey, Puff Daddy and B.I.G., Sarah McLaughlin, Backstreet Boys, Faith Hill, Montel Jordan, Marcy Playground, Boys to Men. Like this is like that's like six genres in the top 30, 35 for the year. And, you know, it, it went from 
like you guys are saying, homogenized, but it feels like it went from the the top 100 being the popular songs for the year to pop becoming like its own separate genre. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, uh, I'm trying to agree with you in different words. It and then 99, like you had we got... A... You had a, it just felt like you had a greater diversity of stuff back then because I don't know. Yeah. I know Matt still follows it to some degree. I don't have really much recollection the last couple of years because my wife finally kind of gave up on pop. Mm-hmm. But it, it, when she was listening to it, it just sounded like the same shit like over and over again. There is – there is uh, – it's tough to say, like I would say in the last like five years, it's there is diversity, but at any given moment, the songs all sound the same. So it's like if you track like the five years, it's like songs from year one of that five year period all sound alike. But that doesn't mean that they sound the same as like the songs from year five. Like there is the, the sound kind of changes as it progresses, but at any given point. Most of the songs that happen in a given at any given like one year, like they all sound the same. So it's almost like this is the sound for the year. Let's is, go with this, and yeah. then everything and, sounds like. And that. remember, remember back in the day too, where you would get those crossover songs that like the pop station would be playing, and like mm-hmm. the the hard rock station would be playing, and you know, and it might hit like some other genre stations. Like you don't really get that anymore, and you don't get the, like the mm-hmm. weird, the weird um. The weird like comedy stuff that breaks through to your that might not get radio play, but like the music video might have made it onto like MTV, like because um, mm-hmm. they were big for I think they only had the one album, but like stuff like the Bloodhound Gang, which was um, oh yeah, which was enough to get like some play on MTV and stuff that like crossed your radar. I, I don't feel like that stuff really hits anymore, other than like Mimi stuff, like the the Fox song, and yeah, um, well and I don't we feel, got. We got a bunch of crossovers during the pandemic, but it's just like I don't want to hear Justin Bieber's crossover with Selena Gomez or whatever. It's like I I don't I I'm too old for it. I no, don't I'm care. talking about I'm talking about like a band that gets something out there. Like I think the last thing that really that really pushed that was like um, Sound of Silence by Disturbed that got the cro- oh, that got oh, cross oh, genre. Play, gotcha, like, gotcha. Sorry. I don't I don't feel like that he, happens as much. No, and I mean they got it because they were covering like a thirty-five year old song, forty year old song. Yeah. And Disturbed was well established by the time they yeah, did that. Yeah. yeah. It feels like you've got to be well established before you got get to start experimenting with stuff that yeah. you're really interested in doing. Like for comparison's sake, nowadays, like ninety nine you had <laughs> One more time, Britney Spears and Jeannie Bottle, Christina Aguilera. That I would expect to hear more stuff like that in this time frame. But like, yeah. you, I would not expect to hear like the Goo Goo Dolls pop up in this time frame, or or Third Eye Blind with their fun to listen to kind of bopping along songs with like the horrendously dark lyrics to them. Well, you got um, your kind of what I would call. Um... This is the era, 99, like 2000, 2001 is kind of what, I don't know what to call it. I kind of want to call it like pop punk, like which was like your Blink-182s. Yeah. That really, they, what would you, that, I don't, 
that edged into more i almost would attribute that more to like the early 2000s yeah but the, yes pop punk uh that was blink what time age sorry. again was 98 99 i think yeah but i feel like they really hit big with um oh i just heard this too their other big one i thought was there all the small things that all was the like, small yeah i feel like that's where they really um yes broke out yeah that's fair that's fair well and this is this is gonna really like date me but it's also gonna be uh people kind of like connect with it like once you started having songs that were playing on the uh the in-game soundtrack for madden yeah <laughs> then you kind of then you kind of made it that's what did you, yes. like did you the make first... it or did you jump the shark at that point well it's no hard. that's that's a madden's the first place i ever heard seether was on a madden soundtrack fair yeah, uh, June 1st, 1999 was Anima of the State by Blink-182, and that's what had uh, all the small things. And that was like kind of their breakthrough album. There it is. Okay. They had um, What's My Age Again and Adam Song. Those are those, right, those three songs right there are like their yeah. three of their biggest songs. My wife is a big Blink fan. Um, yeah. And I like their songs. They were not my favorite, but they – they did kind of spur that the whole like pop punk and then that also kind of edged into in the early 2000s like uh post hardcore which is more like you're taking back sunday you're the the used things like that and they, i guess i think they I also guess, um they kind of spurred the emo scene kind of came from them too i think yeah that kind of was a i i wasn't quite associated with them but it it did kind of like arise from them their sound kind of turned into like the emo sound. Yes. So it's it's funny that in like the pop charts had all of that stuff going on. Um, where I had it on my list and I was looking at it and I'm gonna miss it. But the other thing that we had going is that one of like you had at least one of the major subgenres like staying the course hard like. Country music was very much still on a more traditional kick at this time. Um, and you were seeing less and less crossover. But, um, I mean, Garth was still kicking around at this time. Oh, no, uh, I'm wrong. Tim McGraw and Shania Twain and Faith Evans were all in the top 100 that year. But they that was that was more of the, like, argument happening in, among country fans of, like, are they – are they staying country or are they going pop? Like, are they switching over? Are they changing it? And um, isn't Taylor Swift really the only one that's ever really made the the full like, Twain. crossover? I did. She never went like between. Um. Oh, you just like full one to the other? Yeah, because Shania Twain, I feel like faded pretty quick once she like tried to do her big pop song. I feel like she was gone pretty quickly oh. after that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know why she faded out real quickly in through there. Because um, she found out her husband in 20 years was cheating on her, and the stress of it, honest to God, caused her to lose her voice. Oh, yeah, I've heard about like, that. that. That's wow. that, that's Isn't that a hell of a thing? Um, but, but, like, I think with Taylor Swift, like, I think, I think there's probably a large segment of her younger fan base that does not know she was a country act when she started. It's I think what the way that Taylor Swift work is, is she built her fan base as a country act. And then that 
that fan base was going to buy anything she put out. So she made a pop album and it took off because she had her built in fan base. It was already created. And then so she just kept doing that. And it it persisted and she picked up more fans and that sort of stuff. Um, and then we got such gems as shake it off for God's sake. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have, that is not a good song, but a lot of her pop stuff is actually pretty solid. Yes. I, it's, it is not in my way. I don't like her new, her new, her album she released last year. I did not care much for, but I, she usually, she, there's usually like there, you, I'm, whatever i'm 40 i can say it like i usually find at least (laughs) most of her new releases i think are fine and i would take most of her stuff over like um most pop acts like like joe legend i would just i wouldn't even break oh my god crossing a street (laughs) and i'd probably back it up just to make sure he was he was done for someone this is a this is complete like non sequitur but someone mentioned uh like someone asked I think it was on Twitter. Someone was like, can someone please explain um, Chrissy Teigen to me? And <laughs> they were like a uh, really inc- completely insufferable human being who married someone who is equally as obnoxious as she is. And it's like that actually explains John Legend and Chrissy Teigen perfectly. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Now, um, and his his uh, music is not good enough to be that insufferable. At least put out something good if you want to be that much of a dick. I think he has. Uh, I think he has a lot of talent, but it's also like I don't. I just I'm not into your music. But to go to to bring it back to Taylor Swift, I I kind of don't like her last two albums. There there there's some fine songs in there, but I I'm not really like vibing she's, with it. She's but. going for us for me like she's going for a sound that she's not particularly good at because she's going for like a i had a word for it she's going for like an easy listening adult sound now and she's not i guess well this um versed for it this last album is better than the one before it uh but someone mentioned she's it's like a cottagecore album which if you don't know what that is like just google it but um i i personally think that 1989 is a fantastic pop album to the point where I would actually probably list it as I would put it on my like best of the decade. What's on that like one? The, I don't know her albums by name. I could I know songs though. Oh, that's that's like probably her biggest album. Uh, Blank Space, Style, Shake It Off, Bad Blood, Wildest Dreams. Like yeah, some a, of her biggest hits on the on like ever are on that album. It's there, a fantastic album. There's it's, a it's, punk it's a, band that covered. Mm-hmm blank space that's actually a better version than hers <laughs> i actually like it when when um when bands do that kind of thing like they're like uh, do they they cover a different genre and they do it yeah uniquely that's that's a, that i get a big kick out of that too whenever they find a unique spin to put on in a, in a lot of cases i end up liking it better there's, a, there's an excellent album series that you can find i think it's on amazon streaming it's called pop goes punk and okay. it's a bunch of punk bands doing um, pop songs, and a lot of them are quite good. I would need to hunt because I like a bunch of different. I'm also like good mashups. I really do. But that's that can be really hit or miss because some people are going to be like, "Oh, I'm a great mashup artist." Like, wow, this 
I don't know what in the world you thought you were doing. And then there's some people who are just excellent at it. So you've got to wait is, for a lot of garbage. My problem is you have to dig through too much because there's a lot of people that are trying to put like an itty bitty little nail in the wall with a sledgehammer with their mashups and it just doesn't work. Also, it, um, this is this is out of the genre, but I want to bring it up. There is, and I just discovered this a couple years ago. There is a Twisted Sister um, Christmas album that is amazing. Yes. You you, re- you mentioned that on one of our Christmas album things, and I I went back and listened to it, and I got a really big kick out of it. That was a lot of fun. No, like it's a legitimately like people are gonna be like, oh, ha ha, like Twisted Sister. No, it is a legitimately great. They Christmas yeah, they did album. a good job. They really did. Um, I went, I went looking at 99 and you know, it's funny. We do have like, there's some, some standard pop stuff that you would expect to see on the, you know, Destiny's Child and, and Vertical Horizon stuff. But we also, there's, you know, that's the second year that Smooth uh, by Santana with Rob Thomas is on there. It's at number two. The previous year was like Destiny's 18. Child. I've never liked any of Beyonce's um, songs either. And Maria Maria, same thing as number three, but that's the first year Three Doors Down hit. That like, I know, I know there's going to be pitchforks, but I don't. I yeah, don't. you're you're courting you're courting the uh, the fury of the the B. I know that's that's, what, that's that's actually one reason I'm more adverse to her music is I'm tired of the freak out every time that she puts out like she farts out some new song and everyone freaks the fuck out that she doesn't get every award under the sun. I'm not saying that she doesn't have uh, talent. I, she's not my cup of tea. Um, but it is ridiculous that people like make it. it she puts she'll put out. Let's say she puts out an album like tomorrow. There are people who will like they won't even listen to it. It'd be like, oh, best album of the year. And it's like you're you're just being like a fan person. No, I mean, she's boy, not even like. Girl. I don't even think like when you're talking about the pantheon of like talented female vocalists, like she is not on there. I would not rank her that high, but I'm not saying like she doesn't have talent, but it's I, I don't know. I, I she she's has, not my cup of tea, but she has been a marketing genius in creating this like devoted following, and I got to give her credit for that. But I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, obviously it's think, not like, aimed at me. I don't even think but, like, and she's not also my cup of tea. But like, if I hear them like together, like I would take Rihanna songs over her. Any oh, I actually, week. I actually like Rihanna. I think Rihanna, I would hands down put Rihanna above Beyonce. And, and, but she's like, she's to me, she's obviously better. And it's just like, why, why is there not this freak out every time she like puts out a song? Like, I just don't get this. Like, because there was, it just happened like a couple years ago where someone, and it was actually a really good album that won, and they were like freaking out because like Beyonce put out some mediocre as fuck like album, and then there was the whole like obviously um. Oh, what's the idiot's name that like stormed the stage was Taylor Swift because Beyonce. Oh, Kanye. Yeah, and it just like it's like every time, every time she puts something out, it's like oh god, here we go again. Yeah, I'm I'm just, you know what I can I can say it's not my thing and I'm fine with that. I can say I don't get it and I'm fine with that, but it frustrates me whenever. If I say that, and then someone's like, "Well, that's because you don't." It's like, "Whoa!" Even Randy Marsh, that, even yeah. Randy Marsh puts out um better <laughs> albums as as Lord. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's a whole separate issue. I Lord is actually very good. 
Um, it's actually just, funny. They said she started doing like his ya 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 thing at her concerts. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, that reminds me of another story. I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, but Don McLean's kids, when the saga begins, Weird Al's parody of American Pie came out. His kids loved playing it because they were so sick of hearing American Pie around their dad, but they enjoyed hearing Al's version. They played it at home so much that sometimes Don McLean will slip up and start singing the Weird Al lyrics while he's doing concerts. He did that as – um. so I've seen Weird Al in concert, which if you haven't seen it, he's legitimately really... the best thing I've ever seen live. He does a great concert. Um, he did like a sit-down like acoustic version of that like to end the show. Oh, he didn't do an acoustic version when I did it, but, well, no, he wasn't doing a sit-down version, but he had members of the 501st Legion show up and do background for him and that sort of stuff, so. Actually, you know, in this era, he had, no, the one came later, but he had that, but um, Amish Paradise is also the very, very beginning of this era. Yeah, uh, 95, 96. 96, yeah, but, um. So when we're in about 99 now, so this is, and we talked about them previously, but... Um, oh, I, I forgot someone, a, a favorite of mine, I can't I can't lie to you and say they're good, but a favorite of mine hit the scene around this time period, um, well, two favorites. One, 99 was Three Doors Down. I don't know why. I really enjoy most of their stuff, and then The Offspring. I'm not going to say that they're great. I'm not going to say they're technically wonderful or anything like that, but... God, I just enjoy their sound. The Offspring's a very Jekyll and Hyde band for me. Like, when they do their, like, the kids aren't all right, and um, Self-Esteem, I think, are excellent songs, but when they go into their goofier shit, I can't stand them. Um, I get a kick out of it both ways. I just do. The uh, Pretty Fly for a White Guy, it still kind of amuses me to this day. Because you you, everybody knows someone like that. So then this is also, so this is what we were talking about earlier. This is kind of when new metal came around. Um, now, not all yeah. of these bands I'm going to mention are new metal, but um, so in this era, Disturbed obviously mm-hmm. um, started up, which their first two albums are amazing. They've been pretty good consistently, though. Yeah. Um, Korn, which I think is an underrated band, like some of their early stuff, I think they suck now. Um, they were huge for the time. They, at the time, yeah, they were like really, true. really big. Yeah, people forget that though. Well, that's that's kind of. I guess I can kind of talk about this, uh, mention this briefly now. Like that, this was a time in like the late in the late nineties, early two thousands, when you could actually have like a rock band, like a legitimate rock band. Um, and th- I know like rock, there's there's like fifty different, at least fifty, maybe more sub subgenres of rock music. Yeah. Or metal. Like, you could... It, it, there's, like, a, a wide diversity of, of genres. There's the layer, it doesn't get air, airplay now. That's the thing. Like, you... there. This was, like, the period where you could have, like, a rock band that would actually hit, like, the like number one. Or actually would get a lot of airplay. Yeah. And um, then, um, now, like, I don't think that ever happens. Like, you don't... No. Like, you don't get that. Like, like Corn. I mean, obviously, like, Corn now is, like, older. Like, they're, they're not... They're not playing like if Corn puts out a new album, they're like they're not mainstream is not putting that out. But no. uh, what, if there was like a, a an equivalent of Corn, like and they put out a new album, like you're not you're not getting like that's not going to make like the number one on, on the billboards. It's all 
it's all like pop or rap or, or I mean, R&B. Hell, like I, I just a, just an an easy to not easy listening, but an easy to listen to band like Hootie and the Blowfish wouldn't hit now because they're not the right sound. Like they hit in the mid late 90s because, hey, you know, that's that there's nothing offensive about it. It's easy to listen to and that sort of stuff. And then Corn was at the top of the rock chart. We still not getting that sort of thing. It feels like it, it feels like the. I'm getting old man here, but it feels like that the stuff that's happening now is mutated into its own separate genre of, I don't know, radio pop or something. And and I know uh, like purists are going to be like, nope, nope, they're different things. But even like the hard rock station here doesn't play new stuff. They play stuff from like 10 years ago and older. Yeah. But I think also um, um I don't prefer particularly like them but slipknot came out i feel like they were a gimmick band even though they put stuff out now um a better band i think that they actually kind of went away after scorpion king for a long time but um godsmack well yeah Yeah, i was okay with godsmack i mean there's a funny i think they were great but there's a funny opie and anthony story about them where um, before they hit and they were in Boston, the, the lead singer, Sully, approached them with his album. And um, they were driving somewhere. They chucked it out of the car. And they had a chance to break Godsmack and didn't. Uh. And then um, I'm not a huge fan. I like some of their songs. I think Schism was pretty decent. But Tool really hit around now. Well, Tool I, Tool was in the ni- more than 90s. Tool, I will not... Uh, I will not I will not allow any slander of Tool. Tool is um, it goes. I go back and forth between Tool and Nine Inch Nails. It's like my favorite bands. The, like problem, it, the problem with Tool is like you can do the Rick and Morty, the Rick and Morty copy pasta about Tool fans sometimes. Mm. Oh, it takes someone of a certain IQ. To... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I. So I'm not. I'm not like that uh, as a Tool fan, but I. I I guess I am a little bit like that because I will say that Tool, the it is almost like a it's it's more like progressive rock and it is it kind of edges into like art rock and it is kind of like it's really it sounds pretentious to say like cerebral I'm just I would always say that just because like they the music is actually very layered like for the most part and they're trying to do like a lot with it. Which I'm not I'm not like arrogant where it's like you just don't understand it. and like no it's like it's 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 not for everyone like they're like I think Lateralist is their best album and I think it's fantastic but not everyone is down for like let me listen let me sit down and listen to like a ten minute song yeah like that's yeah. not that's not for everyone and you you might listen to it and be like this is fucking pretentious why is this song like eight minutes long doesn't need to be like that's okay. Um, but I think that, I think the songs are like really fantastic and and I, amazing. But it's I, it is not for everyone, and that's okay. I think though people, especially like so, there's a Nightwish song that's like 14 minutes long, but it's also about. Oh, like, Nightwish is like notorious for that. But 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 this song. Dream this, Theater is like notorious for yeah, that too. But like but like the song like in particular that's 14 minutes long is like the the main guy Thomas was writing about his battle with depression after they they fired the original lead singer for the band. So it's like this dark thing that kind of goes up and down, but it's, it's like a very personal 
like song about his journey through depression and like recovery. So like, you know, sometimes like you can say, why is a song need to be 14 minutes? And sometimes it's like, well, because that's the, the band exploring something important to them or like, you know, something that they, you know, that they put a lot of effort into. So like, I'm pretty forgiving of that. I mean, now dream theater Dream Theater can be just like, you know, we're just going to do some weird, like, guitar riff for, like, 18 mm. minutes and enjoy yeah. that. That, um, that kind of frustrates me with them, but you especially all, at since, least... Especially mm-hmm. since where I get frustrated with Dream Theater is, like, you'll be really enjoying a song by them, and then suddenly they'll get up their own ass and just go off in this weird thing. But it's like, but but I was liking what you were doing. Why did you go? They do kind of get up their own ass. But at least with them, like, you kind of know, you kind of know to expect that. So it's like, all right, uh, <laughs> what, what bullshit am I going to have to But they do have some legitimate, they, they do have, like, some legitimate great songs. I'm not gonna I agree. Yeah. There's a, um, uh, there's a phenomenon that happens right around in the 2000s era that I want to point out because I thought it was hilarious when it happens, is having someone who wants to be a new metal band and then they found success with something that's more poppy. You mean who was and they saying? Can't... I was going to say <laughs> Crazy Town and Sugar Ray. Oh, my God. I yeah, Sugar, Ray, Sugar Ray, I would say, is the lamest band of all time. but More than Crazy Town? I don't remember what Crazy, Crazy Town had. Come, my lady. Come, really come, my lady. Come, my sugar. <laughs> oh, that wasn't bad. Crazy Town had one. Like, no, right. but it was such a hard departure from what they wanted to be before that that it is hilarious. I would say, I would say, I would say, honestly, worse than either of those was Stained and that guy's like daddy issues that that's all he's sung <laughs> about. And like, you get like to their third song, you're like, oh, dude, you're just a one trick pony, and then you just write them off forever. And I think everyone else did because they faded out pretty quick. After about their Stain radio song. Stain? Yeah. That, the the lead singer of that, Aaron something, basically like reinvented himself. I don't know if he still does it. He, re- he reinvented himself as like a, like a country artist. Wow, really? Yeah, and he, I think he actually had like some success with that. I'm not saying like, you know, like he's got, he's, he's a big country star, but I mean, I think he... I think he still pays the bills doing stuff. But I actually, it's the the hilarious, the hilarity of having uh, Crazy Town and Sugar Ray being like they want to do the new metal stuff, and then they drop these happy poppy things, and and they can't go back to what they wanted to do in the first place because they weren't good enough at it, and now they're stuck in this genre where. They're they're stuck identified with this genre that they can't keep a handle on, and they don't want to be a part of. But it's the only thing that's brought them success. <laughs> well, crazy Leaves town. me in stitches. A lot of those groups, though, like Sugar Ray, really faded out fast. And I thought, I thought, um, who was who was that band? Because I I can't think of his name, but like he was always on like Howard Stern, and he always talks such a good game with music. Was it Dave McGrath? I, you got to give me more to go on, man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 whoever it was always talked a good game, and that was his band. It's just like, dude, you're fucking put out just such lame shit. <laughs> like, no, Sugar Ray was like bottom. Even then, like, Sugar Ray was like bottom barrel. Smash Mouth looks down on 
Sugar Ray. Uh, now, wait a minute. Hang no, on. No, no, no. I'm going to say Smash this. Mouth Astro Lounge is still a good album. No, Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth needs to get down on their knees and thank whoever wrote Shrek that they got to be. Now, they're better than the Bare Naked Ladies. I'll give them that. Bare Naked Ladies were also pretty bottom of the barrel for, for comedy shit that, that was never funny. Well, I didn't regard it as comedy. I just regarded it as as not taking itself so damn seriously. I hated the Which, bare naked ladies. Never I don't mind them. their Christmas album, by the way, is really good. Um, but I would uh, you rather know, set myself on fire than subject myself to anything they sing ever again. <laughs> They're an instant. If they come on like a serious right. station, instant channel changer. If I see like that name, they're instant. Um, the but. Uh, uh, <laughs> thrown my train of thought off completely <laughs> i still think astro lounge is is a good album so i will like, i will say i think smash mouth astro has Lang- a good sound they just do very um milk toast they after after yeah after they had all-star it kind of flamed out and no one would well because in that time period all-star was on like eight movie soundtracks because it was in Shrek, it was in Rat Race, it was in some others I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was in a whole – they were like everywhere for one year. And then it was like, well, okay, well, we're kind of tired of it now, so we're going to – And then yeah. I think um, it came after this era, but I, I liked – I thought Chris Rock had like a good album or two, and then he like started trying to go pop. And when he did that stupid – um. I don't remember the name of the song where they pretty much blatantly ripped off the um the music from Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London and he did his lame like summer song I think is where he Kid became Rock? irredeemably bad yeah now he did that before because he did that with Sad but True to make American Badass like, um I thought I thought American I thought American like the American Badass Cowboy and couple others were decent but he's gotten progressively worse as time has gone on american badass just immediately pissed me off because that was they that was just the instrumentals to sad but true with differently and i'm just like oh and then the the fact that in order to make the point you have to scream i am american badass over the top of it i'm just like no it's one of those like if you got to tell me that then uh, i'm not buying I mean, one of Metallica's um, oh fuck, I just forgot his name. One of Metallica's best songs is a is um is a cover of a. Uh, are you talking about Ecstasy of Gold? No. Oh, that's a great one. But are you talking about Turn the Page by Bob Seger? Yes, Bob Seger. I can't yes. remember. It, that's just, a fantastic cover. It was right in there, and I was gonna say it, and then it just like whoop right out of my head. But that is a fantastic cover of a Bob Seger that's song. A, that's an amazing cover. But that. That's a cover. That's yes. not I'm ripping the beat in order to make – I'm not vanilla icing this, right? I mean, like, Jessica I'm doing Simpson's a cover. big hit was – Yeah. I mean John – I mean John, John Mellencamp is yeah. literally the worst, so. <laughs> so you don't really care, but that was – No, because John Mellencamp, yeah. John Mellencamp changes his name every three years, and he's ripping off Bruce Springsteen with even worse lyrics without the thought put into it. You know, I'm not going to say the Bruce Springsteen joke I heard because someone will drive here from Jersey and try to shoot me. <laughs> yeah. um, the problem, the the other issue 
that we had happen at the beginning of the 2000s. 2002 was kind of the is because I personally could not stand. Uh, that's when we got the rise of both Nickelback and Lincoln Park. And I, I like Lincoln Park. Um, I, I know they, like they there's mm-hmm. one or two that I'm maybe okay with, but I I will defend their first album. Their first album is great. Um, it's really a hard song to listen to. Um, I'm gonna say the is it crawl. Crawling. Crawling. Crawling is a really hard song to listen to since he killed himself. But that I would say that is their best song. A lot of their songs are actually hard to listen to. Yeah, but they, their first so. their first album is legitimately good, and that that came out in an era where if you got an album, you were lucky to have two songs you liked. And I feel like that oh, first album yeah. had eight good songs on it. Which is the one that I was? What was the one that I was thinking? Of? It was probably like in the end, I didn't like. Was it Numb? Was that the one that stuck out in my head? Was that a Linkin Park song? Numb was their second album, I think. Okay. That was the only one that stuck out in my head is... It's like, okay, I kind of get that, but... Man, I'm not a Linkin Park guy. To my ear, at least the Linkin Park I've heard. They tried to pop it up later. I'm I'm looking up their first album right now because... But it... It... It's... (laughs) To me, it just... It sounded too overwrought. I guess. And they did um okay, hybrid theory was good. So let's see what's on here. So one step closer is good. Um yeah. see in the end was on there crawling. I don't remember what paper cut was though. Do you remember what paper cut was, Matt? Mm, no. I also think they they um they should get points for they were one of the first bands to really do the rock thing with a rapper mixed in. Oh, Jay Z. Came overwrought. Yeah, it started that, and and that that was that was a fine enough trend for a while, but. Oh, there is another band I want to talk about that I did enjoy. They're not a rock <laughs> band though; they're more of a pop Before band. Before you get to that, can I just uh, interject that uh, heavy was might be the last single released by Lincoln Park. It's like a it would featured um singer Kiara who actually was like Lincoln Park is like one of her influences as a musician. And that's a I like the song. I guess people gave it criticism because it's like a slight departure from their sound, but it it's a super fucking depressing song. Because he killed himself like two Oh really? It's it's a it's a quick song. It's only like maybe three minutes long, but it's fucking depressing. Like once you, because I mean he killed himself like two three months later, and it's just it's just it's rough to listen to because <laughs> the lyrics are like I don't like my mind right now. Like that's one thing. It's like and it just it gets it's worse from there. But. Yeah, I don't I actually. I, um... This is going to sound really weird, but I saw Guar do something touching, like, on a cover they did. It was supposed to be Pet Shop Boys, and then they went into, like, the Everybody Dies song. And I guess they did this, like, cover, like, right after Odorous died, and so it turned into them singing, like, Odorous died. You know, like, the, the Everybody Dies song? 
Yeah. And so they pretty much did that to for Odorous. Like at the end, I'm like, well, like I did not expect Guar to do something that was actually kind of touching. I have to kind of. Uh, I'm going to switch gears real quick because I have to be kind of pissed off at 2002, not only for the reasons I listed, but for one other reason. And there's a story behind it. It's because that's the year that Hero by Enrique Iglesias came out. And that damn song. I, you know, I spent I spent a summer flying a cash register for a grocery store and they had the exact same music on every day and every day at 315. I knew it was 315 because that's when I could be a hero, baby, came on. And it just I'm standing there, I'm scanning stuff and I'm thinking to myself. Don't break the glass. 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 The only time that got worse was I had a, a stint working at Dick's Sporting Goods, which that was fine. You know, not a big deal. Um, but the, they just nine days out of ten, they just left the radio on American Billboard Top Ten. So it was just the same damn ten songs for an eight-hour shift. And one of them was Flippin' Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne, and oh my god, I wanted to stick my head in a treadmill. Because just like, it, it, uh, Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne, and When He Cheats by Carrie Underwood, and it's just like, if I turn this treadmill all the way up and stick my head in it, maybe I'll get enough gaping head wounds that I can leave and not have to hear this crap anymore. Sorry, so I just needed to vent that. Um, it's not a rock band, but this is also towards the end of this era is when the Gorillas hit, which I like their first. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, the first two or three albums I really liked. I, I haven't heard anything of theirs recently, but I I like that they've stuck to the gimmick of like the animated versions of themselves for everything. Mm-hmm. But they are a fun one. Um trying to think what else here because this is kind of the era where i started getting into other stuff that wasn't um didn't get radio play like this is where i kind of started getting into like european stuff like evergrey and iced earth well Um, that's that is more european stuff i will say as a again as a pop fan there was there was a period in like the 2000s and i guess you could arguably you could say like some some into edging like more modern day but there was a period of time where like british like the british rock or pop rock scene was putting out kind of like arguably like the best stuff um and that kind of edges into like more modern day stuff like a band like the 1975 they put out like a lot of really good stuff um and they're they're rock but they're also kind of like edging into um not quite like electronic music, but it has there's some like um, electronic vibes to it. But they're like also like into pop, a little bit into pop music. They're pretty good. They kind of. Yeah. Um, I was gonna mm-hmm. say, speaking of British bands, um, Iron Maiden did Wicker Man in this era. They brought everyone back mm-hmm. for that, which is probably like their last like, I think one that really hit. Um, Three Doors Down hit this era too. Yeah. yeah, Kryptonite was 2000, I think. Let me make sure I've got the right year. And then Loser and was Duck and Run on that album, too? Um, You know what? Let me check. Three Doors, like I said, I know they're not the best, but they're still a band that 
I really enjoy. They they lost me when they started, and I know we talked about this off air last week, but I felt like there came a point with them where it felt like they were just writing these songs in the hopes that the military would give them a royalty to put it on their commercials. They did one that that did that, and that was Citizen Soldier, I think was on their fourth album. Their first album was The Better Life. That was Kryptonite Loser, Duck and Run, Not Enough, Be Like That. Uh, that's that like the first five tracks on the – well, here, let me go through the rest of it. Life of My Own, Better Life, Down Poison, By My Side, Smack, and I Need You. Um, like, that's one, two, three, four. I think that's five songs off that album that were well-performing singles. Um, this is so, also, I mean, this is also when about, was it about, Matt would probably know this. So they tried to, I feel like they... They knew Shakira was big in like other countries and they tried to like bring her mm. over here and they didn't get it. Was that like 2001? That's that sounds about right. But like she's still huge in other countries and I feel like she'll get a song over here every now and then, but it feels like I don't know, it was weird. It felt like they didn't have confidence in the sound or whatever. I would say she did have a a fair amount of mainstream success. But I agree, like, she probably, I mean, in other countries, she was probably more like, this is, like, our our mainstream yeah. uh, star. And, like, she did, she didn't have, she had, she's had respectable success in America. But yeah, I feel like I, it could have been arguably, bigger, though. Yes, arguably it could have been bigger. Especially, like, with the, the, um. The Wyclef collaboration? No, it probably like the the She Wolf album from like ah okay two, uh, late two thousands. Yeah, I think I've heard that. That probably should have been bigger. I actually think that might have been the Wyclef, the the Wyclef uh, collaboration was maybe I on think, that. I think uh, my problem with it is uh, is when I hear her stuff, like I like it better when it's in Spanish. It sounds yes. better. And they yes. don't want to. They want to have her sing in English. Like, no, just let her sing in Spanish. Like, like it sounds better. Or just let her sing in whatever language she wants to sing it in. How about that? Because I don't mm. know about you guys, but like, I listen to stuff. If I like the sound of it, I don't need to understand the lyrics. Like, there's stuff from like Japan. I like there's stuff from like Scandinavia where they're not singing in English that I like. Like, I don't need to understand the it, it, it Hell, like Gangnam Style that proved point. that point worldwide. Yeah. Well, um, like Jay Balvin is uh, like a reggaeton singer. He does he's he does like Latin pop too. He's gotten like kind of some some airplay recently, and he's like from Colombia. And I don't think I've heard a, a English song that he's ever done, but he's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There are some some Latin artists. It's like it, they're they're it's much better. I mean to to make a wrestling connection like Bad Bunny does <laughs> stuff yeah. from and he's from Puerto Rico and he's like a big star. Bigger star than any of the so, WWE. Yeah, guys. apparently. Yeah, that's true. Apparently, Brad, um, Rolling Stone agreed with you. They said that Shakira's magic is lost in translation. So 
I'm going to be honest with you. The the hips don't lie that she did with Wyclef. I st- I enjoy the hell out of that song. But um, that's the only thing of hers I can really point to and say, you know, they that that's a Shakira song I really enjoy. Of course, maybe I just don't recognize. <laughs> there's more. There's um, she's like um. I I hearken her to like the gin blossoms from the '90s, where you know the name, and then if you sit down and actually think about the stuff you've heard from them and enjoyed, you're like, "Holy crap!" Like, there's like ten songs here, and I did I would yes. never have thought. Oh, of them. I oh, actually. God. <laughs> this is like I actually love gin blossoms. Like, there's so many. Like every now, like every like random, there'll be like a random period where my wife will like. We're driving in the car or something. My wife will just put on Jim Blossoms. This doesn't happen like every week. It's like every like every like eighteen months or something like that. But my yeah, wife will throw yeah. it on. I'm like, oh holy fuck! Like Jim Blossoms had like like ten songs that I really liked, and they should have yeah, been a bigger band than they were. That's but true. They still they still actually like tour. Believe it or um, not. I still I really like Hey Jealousy. I I, I really dig that song. The here's okay. I've got a funny story of something similar that happened. Now, this this my brother and my dad, they were in Indianapolis. Dad was up there for a conference, and so my brother went to Gen Con while he was up there. But that evening, after it was over, Dad's like, well, the fair's here, and we ain't got anything else to do. Let's go. And so they go, and my – okay, my dad does not have what we would call an expansive musical palette, okay? My dad was one of the Dan Fogelberg people of the 70s, mm. um, but they went to a Kenny Rogers concert while they were there. And my brother said, no, you don't understand. He had he had such great stage presence. But the thing that happened is he's up there. And he's like, and, and whenever Kenny walked out on stage, he goes, all right, I get this every time. So I'm going to ask it here at the beginning. There's somebody that's here in the crowd that's going to say they don't they don't know any of my songs and they're only here because their wife or girlfriend dragged it. Which one of you is it? And this guy up by the stage raises his hand. He says, I tell you what, every time I start singing a song, if you recognize it, you raise your hand and I'll give you 10 bucks. And and so the guy's like, fine, but I won't. And <laughs> he's going through his whole he paid this guy like 60 bucks. And whenever he started doing the gambler, he didn't even look at him. He had his eyes closed, and he just reached in his pocket and pulled out a ten and held it out to the guy. <laughs> Which that's a pretty amusing gimmick. Sorry, I thought it was a fun story to tell. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I listened to a lot of I listened to a lot of Kenny Rogers back in the like the 1980s. I, f- so I finished mind. the story, and then it gets dead quiet, and I'm like, oh no, not again. <laughs> My mom. I'm sorry. I think I shared like the last time we talked about music. My mom was like a a big country music fan, mm-hmm. so I listened to a lot of country music like yeah. in the '80s and early '90s. Um, so I listened to a lot of like I listened to a lot of Kenny back in the day. Yeah. Well, my Kenny wife is. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Brad. Go ahead, and then I'll. Okay. I as I I was not a big country person. Um. Like all the way through high school, I'm just like I, I like about anything, but don't like country. I don't like rap, and it's because the radio station that we had in town was playing like the '60s, '70s country. Which, if you don't catch some Johnny Cash or some Willie Nelson in it, you're just kind of like, oh. And you know, at the time, I was a 
piss and vinegar teenager too. Cause I, you know, if I encountered myself as a teenager at this time, I would probably just backhand the hell out of myself. But when I get to college and I, I met my wife and we're hanging out and she and her crew, they were all big country folks. Mm-hmm. And so I had to adapt, right? Like I couldn't just be resistant to everything. It wasn't, it wasn't going to work. Um, I feel like we also missed out on something in this time period too, but I'll come back to that thought in a minute. The, and so, you know, th- it was this time period where you still had a lot of the old school or not, maybe not old school, but a lot of traditional country. You still had, you know, Garth was around and, um, George Strait and Reba and, and Dolly. And I'm not impugning any of these people. They're talented artists. Oh, and just, just for a quick aside, I don't care much for Alan Jackson's music, but that dude's got stones that drag the frickin' ground. Um, he he gave the middle finger to the CMAs like numerous different years and dared them to do something about. Like one year they were like, "Well, uh, George Jones ain't gonna be here because he wants to do the song and we ain't gonna let him." So Alan Jackson's up there playing, and the middle of it stops and starts doing the song that they had told George Jones he couldn't do. They said one year, it's like, well, if you're going to show up, you have to wear a tuxedo. He showed up with a suit jacket and jeans, just like, what are you going to do about it? Right? And it's just like, I may not like your music, but I respect I respect your uh, your guts. But So in this time period, there was this odd kind of traditional aspect versus the, I guess, it's weird to call this newer wave of country popped up because it was, kind of spearheaded by Toby Keith who had been around for like 15 years already mm-hmm. cuz could have been a cowboy was an early 90s song but it there was this weird kind of sort of transition that happened in there and then unfortunately this transition Brad Paisley was a, kind of a traditional up and comer in that time period so that was that was who I decided that I'd be cool with but it kind of transitioned into the bro country that we have to deal with now. That's the most mouth breathing, idiotic music I've heard in a long time. And the other thought I was going to have, I'm sorry. I know I'm kind of going on a rant, not giving you guys any space, but wasn't ska big in this time period too. And we kind of missed them. There, was uh, ska, like, ska was big for like a summer. Yeah. That was like really just the mighty boss tones, but that was like, I, I tend to, I tend to see ska as like a 95 to 98 thing. Yeah. But it was really just ska was really like only had the one big song that hit the radio, honestly. And it hit like all the movies and everything. But like if you come down to it, like if if you listen to like the 90s or the 2000s on um like serious where they get a little deeper into hits like you get the one boss tone song and that's it hmm. uh, i mean i remember the boss tones i res- remember squirrel nut sippers did hell um i don't remember when real big fish came along i like real big fish better but um or i like more of real big fish's stuff i should say but i'd say it, 96 it, was probably the height of ska Maybe I don't know. I, I enjoyed it because it was most ska was energetic and upbeat and it sounded different and kind of fun. Even if like a real big fish song beer is about it's like, oh, I can't stand being around my girlfriend. Guess I'm drunk unless I'm drunk. Guess I'll have a beer like that's that's horribly unhealthy. But 
it was still fun to listen to. I so. feel like there's a couple of Offspring songs that were a little sky in there. Hmm. I'm trying to see. see. I'd have to look at their discography. We're, we're missing a, we're missing a giant elephant in the room, though, of a song that we haven't touched on yet that was um, quite a lot of fun, which was a uh, Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> there was a I am um, it was this era but I don't really want to talk about them there was a Lost Prophet song I really like but their was it their lead yeah. singer was the creepy like pedophile perv or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. wait so, which one Lost lead Prophets, singer of right? Lost Prophets yeah 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 someone in that band had some issues and then we kind of touched on Hooba Snake kind of being all over the place and fading into nothingness. Um, the Foo Fighters. I don't know how you could take them seriously with the name Hooba Stank, but. The Foo Fighters you know, started in this era. Uh, well, I can't. I like like well, Foo Fighters. Late, mid mid nineties, I would say. They can because he kind of because yeah. he kind of came out of Nirvana right into. Yes. Yeah. It, Foo Fighters. Uh, I would actually note is is probably one of the few bands that could legitimately still like tomorrow they could be like we're going to do a show uh at you know name a stadium here and they could literally sell out a stadium like like yeah. tens of thousands of seats. Dave Grohl is a boss. Yeah, but I mean like they they're one of the last like rock bands that could actually command that like that level of presence. Like if uh I can't even tell you like a, a rock band for like the modern era that that would even like come close to it. Are we talking American bands? Yes, let's do American bands. Okay, I don't know then because I was gonna say like Nightwish does huge um, in Europe like huge well, stadiums, but like if, if they take come like, over here, they're doing like mid-level venues. I think if you take like Ghost or if you want like a a band like um like Volbeat. Volbeat has like a following, but I don't think Volbeat could. I think Volbeat would do, be doing like the, like the shitty local club here that like is dilapidated and has like 500 people crammed into it, and it's probably a fire hazard. <laughs> was this um? Well, this was the era. Was it? This was the era where um, Great White burned that club down with their pyro and like that little tiny like bar. That was like 2004, mm. wasn't it? You know what I'm talking about, know. right? I, I think I heard something to that effect. I'm looking it up. 2003. Okay. Wow, that happened in West Warwick, Rhode Island. We should uh, we should ask a friend of the show, Christopher <laughs> Schiller, about that. Well, I mean, I know. I what know a the, horrible um... thing to ask. Like, hey, Chris. Uh, do you remember the Great White Fire that killed a lot of people? I mean, I, I, mean, I can't talk because I know the venue. Because I remember the guy... He, I think they still do the ads on the air for that place where um, Dimebag Daryl got shot. He got shot in Columbus at the Alvarosa oh. Villa. Oh, wow. Because that was what? Oh, was that 2005 or was that 2006? I don't know. I remember, I remember hearing that he died, but I don't remember hearing the circumstances, so... Oh, you know, we're missing a big one that was a personality, and he kind of faded out after this, but Marilyn Manson was huge in this era. Oh, Marilyn Manson's absolutely, like, gigantic. I think it, I think it, it came out that he was just a 
colossal pain to deal with was a big part of it. Because I think he he really and you know raging abusive douche nozzle. I think he he did a because he was getting into covers for a while, but he kind of faded out pretty quick. After Tainted Love, I think that was his last like big yeah hit. I mean, he's done he's done albums like up until like last year. Like he's done. Well, let me actually see. It's been a few years since he's done like. I think personally, "Sweet Dreams" is probably his best song. No, I look at oh yeah, he has done actually albums uh, as of last year. Like he's he's had a lot of albums. Like I would say, looking at his, looking at his catalog, like 2003, "The Golden Age of Grotesque" was probably like the last time he was like a big thing. Yeah. I'd say Sweet Dreams is probably his best song that I've heard. I know most people probably say Beautiful People, but I would put Sweet Dreams. I that. I would say I'm a, I'm a Marilyn Manson fan, at least of like the the late '90s or early 2000s stuff. I can't say I've really listened to him since like 2003, probably. I think Tainted Love's the last song of his I've heard. Unless something creeps in that I haven't heard before. I was never on the on the Marilyn Manson bang. Like the the guitar riff for Beautiful People is pretty cool, but otherwise, I'm um, I'm not there for it. Uh, I liked him actually. I thought he his couple of songs he had out there I thought were fun. The weird thing about because I mean this is a a much simpler time I guess, but. You know, he got a lot of, uh, I guess, controversy because of his stage presence and whatever. Like, oh, my God, he's, like, you know, calling parallels to satanic things, whatever. Oh, but yeah. Now, but now, if you if, go to, like, a Major League Baseball game or some sort of other sporting event, they'll – and just, like, you're just sitting there eating your hot dog or peanuts. You're, like, watching the, the baseball game, whatever. Like, during – between, like, a – an inning or between, you know, just like a batter, like the stadium will casually play like fucking beautiful people. Yeah. Over like the, over the intercom. And it's like, if you actually stop and think it's like this song had Marilyn Manson had such fucking controversy back in the day. Yeah. For now, like 25 years later, you have, they're just casually playing like, Oh, let's play some beautiful I remember people. They, it's like, really? Like, wow. I remember like there was, um, they remember Ozfest. Back mm-hmm. in the day, they they were up here at the place isn't there anymore. It was called the Polaris Amphitheater, and he was on stage. And there was some riot that happened, like I think in like '99 or 2000 when he was on stage at Ozfest. I don't remember. It might have even spilled out of like that. It was like an outdoor venue, and um, mm. I think it spilled out into some other like the the you know surrounding areas, and that was a big thing here at the time. I, it seemed like he was just banking on the counterculture of the satanic panic stuff, and I don't know. You know maybe is. Uh, Matt, you did talk about we were talking about this last week a bit, but you're kind of talking about it here. But I, I think what I what I finally landed on is like the last big rock act that could draw was Audio Slave, which was a super group. I think they were the last big like rock band. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were pretty big. Because it's either them, because I, I mean, I think, because I, I know Queens of the Stone Age at the time, too, got a lot of airplay, but I don't know how big they were as, like, as a drawing card. They, I wouldn't say that they're, like, I'm going to sell out a stadium. No, but I think Audio Slave probably could have at the time. I would say, ironically, I think two two bands that I wouldn't put them as, like, best of all time, but two bands that are kind of like rock, but it, I guess arguably are edge into, like, pop. That I feel, I don't know if they're like, they would sell out stadiums, but I feel like they would do pretty well. Uh, are like the Killers, even though I feel like their their first album is like the best stuff, and it's been like a sliding scale of not very good since then. Uh, and I would actually say Coldplay. People like hate on Coldplay, but like oh, Coldplay yeah. actually had a lot of, Coldplay has actually had a lot of big hits. They're, like Coldplay. They're about to be, I, I think they could draw on like the nostalgia thing. I think if you put them like, get like, the new foreigner in there, a journey to open for them, and you got a stadium sellout. <laughs> it, it seems like that once Coldplay quit trying to steer into the mass appeal, they just got so much better. The problem is that their first like song was such a hit. Like I think it's hard when your first one is such a big deal because then you kind of chase that dragon for a long time. And that Which one was their song. first one? Yellow? Yeah, Yellow. Okay, for some uh, reason, I thought it was Clocks. But... As they got bigger and bigger, their songs have become more mainstream and less, like, uh, like authentically rock. But they still have, like, hits. But they're, I would say, like, they, they're probably, like, one of the, of the modern bands. Like, they're modern-ish. Like, they're one of the few that could either sell out a stadium or come close. Oh, we're missing. But they, they they've also been around for like over twenty years now at this point. Yeah, I, I actually did forget two rock bands that were kind of crossovery at the time, but a uh, Fuel and Incubus yeah. were big in this era. I am a I'm a big fan of Incubus, uh, but I don't. They they had a couple albums that were like mainstream rock. But they went away pretty quick kinda, though. I they kind of tapered off. I, I think. I mean, they're still kind of around, but I think that's that's. Partly it's because like the the lead singer was kind of doing his own thing for a while. Yeah. Uh, Fuel should have been arguably bigger, but they like the lead singer left and. They tried to get Daughtry, but then I think he got like a better deal. Yeah, he got. I think he did his own like his own thing. Because remember, he got. I'm doing air quotations. Got voted off of American Idol. Yeah. And um. He, yeah. A, a band that kind of was like trying to fill that like fuel space was Three Days Grace. Oh yeah, they never quite. They never quite did it, and then the lead singer actually left that band. The only thing, the only thing Three Days Grace's lead singer did, and I don't know how many people know this band, but have you ever heard of Apocalyptica? Yes, that that I, I know the song you're talking about. Yeah, so, that's a great song. Yeah, so Shad, what, is, what Apocalyptica is is they're essentially like. A full orchestra that does like orchestral covers of um of of metal songs. They don't mm-hmm. usually have vocals, but they do like orchestral like covers of of the the music. So there's like a really good Metallica one that they did, but I don't. Wow, what was his what was that song's name that he did? With it's kind of like a, a bigger version of two cellos or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, uh, I'm looking it up right now. I don't care. 
Oh, okay. I, I thought that well, was. If you're gonna be that way about it, Matt. Come on. I, I thought that was. I thought that was a regular Three Days Grace song. No, it was Apocalyptica song that he just did uh, vocals for. Uh, that's a good. That's a good song. I actually like that one a lot. Yeah, that's that's actually. I, if if we we're gonna count that in the Three Days Grace thing, that's probably my favorite song because they they kind of came and went quick. They had a couple of big ones, and then I feel like they kind of just fell off the. Yeah. Uh. I shared with you guys before, like there's a there's a hard rock band that I actually like a lot. Uh, Nothing more. They I think actually have a, a good following. We were kind of talking about this like offline, but it, Nothing More actually did a tour of three four years ago, which uh, my wife and I do because we were. It was a it was a super show. the The touring lineup was Nothing More, Breaking Benjamin. Um, uh, Bad Wolves, who who did a cover of Zombie I by didn't like that cover of Zombie at all. Really, I like that. No. I actually like the cover. And they did they did uh, some lame stuff where they like changed some lyrics to try and modernize it. And I'm just like dumbasses. It was about an Irish conflict, and you just like ruined it. Um, I know. I will. I will give them some cover. I will give them some grace because the the lead singer of the cranberries was supposed to sing it, but she died like right before she was supposed to record it for them. So I will give them some grace on that. Hmm. Uh, and the fourth, the fourth band for, as part of that touring was rise against like, I feel all four of those bands actually have a, a following. Um, rise against actually, though, like, rise against mm-hmm. the Democrats in office. They just stopped making music. So, they oh. go away every now and then for a long time. I generally like all those bands, and I feel like all those bands uh, have a following, but uh, I, I, I don't do feel like Rise Against those... because um, they have a specific sound that scratches an itch that a lot of other bands don't. Uh huh. They have like they have like good stuff that you like kind of want to get in a mosh pit and start like elbowing someone in the face to. Mm. Um, but I feel not like all like the a death sound to it. Yeah, I feel like all the bands that I mentioned just there, nothing more. Breaking Benjamin, uh, Rise Against, and Bad Wolves all have like a following, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say any of them individually like could sell out a stadium. Even all together, I don't think they sold out. They are not like selling out a stadium, but they did, they did play like here in DC, the DC area. They played at Wolf Trap, which is kind of like a larger venue, but not. It's not stadium level. Like, Breaking so, Benjamin, oh. I feel like, should be bigger, but they've had like untimely departures and breakups that have really hampered them. Like if they could have just kept stayed the course together for the entire time, I think they'd be much bigger. But their breaks really like I, have slowed them down. I feel the lead singer is. Um, I like their music. I actually am a fan of Breaking Benjamin. Like, there's a lot of good songs they like, but the the lead Wait. singer Benjamin uh, Burnley, who is I mean, he's really like the he is like the band. He like he likes the primary songwriter. Like he uh, he's had to take time off at periods because he was like a horrible alcoholic and literally started having all these like health issues because of his alcoholism. And, and then I think he's I he it seems like he's recovered because they they reunited. They started putting out new music again a few years ago, which is uh, it's very fortunate. Like I, I I'm glad that he's 
you know, turned his life around. But I think that's that's partly why they haven't been as big as they have been because he he's had like some real life issues. Yeah, that's that's what you run into with the rock bands is you run into um you run into the Doctor Roxos of the world. <laughs> that's such a great okay. animal. Yeah. You know, I love when they actually they, did a song for him that I had to make sure that David Lee Roth didn't sing it because like they yeah. went for that sound. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. I mean, they they went all in on the David Lee Roth for it. Well, guys, I think that about wraps us, doesn't it? I, there's a couple more we could get into, but like I would have to start looking stuff up. Like there's, I think, some deep dives we could get into, and I mean, we really didn't even touch on like the Backstreet Boys in sync. That's um, true. That's kind yeah. of a disservice for this time period. I will as, say, as I will say, um, I'm not a boy band fan, but I do think um, everybody. I uh, know oh, "Rock Your Body" by Backstreet Boys has the best music video of that era. I asked my wife about um, the other day when I said we were going to be talking about it. I was like, what's, you know, boy band era, what was what was your go to? And she didn't miss beat. She's like 98 degrees. I was like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Was it was it not? And she's like, she's like, I like Backstreet over NSYNC, but I prefer 98 degrees. Backstreet and NSYNC look like a bunch of boys. And I wanted to hear songs mm. by men. And I'm just like, well, all right, then. <laughs> I mean, well, I feel bad for Backstreet because NSYNC pretty much just murdered them as soon as they they won. No, Backstreet, along. they're they're having a big resurgence tour and it's doing great. Backstreet has actually been doing stuff for like the last few years, and NSYNC has not because Justin Timberlake has no interest in it. Justin Timberlake was basically the entire band, so I, I would say advantage uh, Backstreet yeah. long yeah. term. And I. Britney Spears did also kill all of them that one time, and then the one had to get uh, Pat Morita to train him to take out Britney Spears. Oh, it was Joey Fatone, I think, was the one. Robot Chicken. Oh, yeah. It was Joey Fatone because he kept calling him Fat One because he kept calling him Mr. Miyagi, and he's like, I'm Pat effing Morita, you nutsack. We and then it, I think it ended up with a giant mecha battle because I think Britney Spears became large because she did the the super Apache yeah. chief like Inechuk thing and grew giant size. God, okay. I, I remember some weird shit. I know we didn't we're trying to sign off, but I would say like the last since we we didn't actually even talk about Britney Spears, but there she's too I, depressing I, to think about. Honestly, like I just. They, this she's been up in the news recently just because uh i think it was like cnn or somebody they did like a mini documentary which is it was only like a an hour or so but it basically like covered the entire like scandal up to like the modern day era because there's all these questions about uh whether she her conservatorship should actually continue um and my wife and i actually watched it and I mean, obviously, like when you watch a documentary, it's presented and it can be presented in a yes, it it could be an agenda. It can be presented in a biased fashion, but Mm -hmm. even taking that into account, it's actually like super fucked up what happened to that girl. Like she, she, I actually am, I, I'm on the camp where it's like she actually has been has given like a raw deal by like not just like her parents or the people around her, but like like america yeah because she it and you know what the sad thing is is we haven't learned our lesson from that and but it really upsets me 
it really upsets me when when celebrities freak out at like the mildest of pushback from anyone and it's like yeah. do you not remember what Britney Spears fucking went through like oh no if once you actually watch the entire documentary and and kind of like cross reference it with things that happened it it actually is very disturbing like it, South Park did a whole episode where it was joking about how she she was essentially like supposed to be a sacrificial lamb for, for the yeah. you know American culture that's actually closer to what actually happened than than not. Like well, she, I just, I, it was really distasteful some of the stuff. Like, because remember, remember that was the era where they were really big on like getting those upskirt shots and then their pussies like oh, all yeah. over the internet. And you're just like, oh, dude, like come on, like do you re- do, like do you really have to like do that to these poor people? Uh, it's terrible. Like she was treated so poorly, and the the whole infamous thing where it's like she like attacked a paparazzi's car with like an umbrella it once you actually like find when i i remember back at the time like i saw like tabloid photos of that i'm like oh well i guess she's like crazy like what was up with that once you actually see the backstory it's like she was in a custody battle for her kids like she was her basically like her life and career were imploding and she was literally being stalked she could not leave her house to go to like the fucking grocery store without paparazzi's like following her and harassing her so she just basically was like she had enough one day. It's like, you know what? Like, fuck you. Like I'm trying, I'm literally trying to like live my life, go to the grocery store or whatever. And she like just took a, uh, umbrella and like bashed a paparazzi's like car. But of course he took photos. And then all of a sudden, like the narrative became like, Oh, look, Britney Spears. Like she's like completely crazy. And it was, it's actually like super unfair. So wasn't there, there wasn't there a, a male celebrity that did like just, knocked the living shit out of some paparazzi guy to get him to leave him alone and it kind of worked i i can't um I don't that know. happened multiple times because the guy that played tony soprano smacked one of them around because they were like harassing his family when they were eating or something uh i'm gonna have to look but anyway but I it think, happens more yeah. often than you think because it's i think it's gotten a little better now but i think there was like an era where um, well, they probably lose some lawsuits and they don't feel as secure about doing it, which, you know what? I'm okay with that. I think the problem was is that even if they won the lawsuit, the celebrity was rich as fuck and would just smack them around again anyway. <laughs> well, and they, I think that they probably, it probably came to light that they were like, oh, I, um, uh, I can't. Uh, what well, I mean, you know, I, I'm losing public opinion on this. Like, oh, I mean, I'm, they fucking a... the fucking um the fucking European paparazzi are why Princess Diana died. Yeah. So I mean, they absolutely are. So I mean, it's not like it's not like those guys gave a fuck after they they did it. No. But... All right. Well, I think we've about run course on this. So, um. Hey, we'd love to hear from you all out there. Was there anything you thought we missed or needed to cover more in depth? You know, we like to circle around to some different stuff every now and then. And, um, uh, you know, we've got a few different things down the line. We're trying to pick on what it'll be. But we want to say thank everybody for joining us and hope you enjoyed our time. Hit us up on social media. We would love to hear from you. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. We will catch you next time.